Hello, everybody across the southeast. Get ready for three hours of conversation about all things Southern. I'm John Rawl. Pull up a chair and enjoy the ride because we're going to get you through this fourth day of August. Can you believe we're now having kids go back to school? That is if they haven't postponed school, as they're doing in some cases, because of COVID outbreaks all across really the whole country. We'll discuss all of that with you here on the program about Dixie. 803-816-1170 is the way you can get in touch with us here on y'all. It's so easy for you to reach out with that phone you got right there by your side. If you're driving, make sure you pull over before you pull that out and try to reach us here. But yeah, you could just pull at that phone or iPad or go get your, I guess your rotary phone there in the kitchen and use it to dial 803-816-1170. However, I don't think those old school rotary phones work too well for texting. So we'll have to take a pass on that. Hope y'all are doing well. We're going to have another action-packed y'all show as we get you through this fourth day of August and much of the South waking up today to a beautiful, beautiful early August day, a day that frankly is a lot cooler across much of the Southeast, cooler compared to what it could have been and maybe should have been this time of year. So happy August, happy going back to school if you're a youngin across the Southeast. And if you're some of those youngins, you're probably right now cursing me because I just said happy back to school because Some of those kids of the South don't like going back to get their learning, but you got to do it. And as far as I know, the truancy officers will come searching for you or your mama or daddy one if you don't get to school. So we'll have all that we can for three hours talking about what's going on in the South. We've got updates from the South here in our headlines to start off this first hour. We also have some sports happenings across the Southeast that we'll be sharing with you here in the first hour of y'all. And then, hokey, hokey, hi. We got any Virginia Tech fans here hanging out at the Dixie Cafe? Today on the Y'all Show, we're spotlighting the Virginia Tech Hokies of the ACC. We'll discuss what the coach there, who's been there about five years now, coming over from the Memphis Tigers, what Justin Fuente, he's got planned for his Hokies of 2021. And we'll discuss the schedule. We'll also discuss... The projections for Virginia Tech football here in 2021, that's here in hour number one. When we get to our third hour of today's Y'all Show, we'll be talking about the Gobblers tradition, the historic properties, if you will, of Virginia Tech. Remember, this is still one of the nation's seven senior military colleges in the whole country. When I say senior military college, We're talking about Texas A&M. We're discussing other military schools like the North Georgia Military in Dahlonega, the Citadel in Charleston, South Carolina, Virginia Military Institute is one of those. Then you have Norwich, which is actually in Vermont. There's only seven. Of course, we have our federal military schools, but Virginia Tech still has a Corps of Cadets and That's part of the rich tradition of that school in Blacksburg, Virginia. And we'll talk about traditions and famous alumni of Virginia Tech and just some of the fun that you'll have when you make it to Lane Stadium for a game 
with the Hokies playing at home. All that as part of our fun here on this Y'all Show Wednesday edition. We also have coming up in the Y'all Show some business news going on across the southeast. So don't miss out on the fun there. Plus, a look at some of the new books available in the south right now. We'll look at the New York Times bestsellers and more. All that mixed into the fun of our Wednesday edition. So sit back, enjoy. We've got a very, very exciting show planned for you. And glad that you have taken the time to join us here. And maybe you're driving down the road. I've actually run into a lot of travelers here over the last couple of days. And as you might have heard earlier in this week, I did a little traveling myself. So this show, the Y'all Show, is a perfect traveling companion. We have a program available in podcast form. So if you don't catch us on one of our unbelievably awesome radio stations that exist across the southeast, you can listen at your own schedule and your own listening device because we're available via iPhones or smartphones or iPads or desktops. We have various podcast app partners available for you to listen to the Y'all Show. And those partners include, we're available at Apple Podcasts. We're also available on the iHeartRadio app. That's a great way for you to catch up with what's going on across the Southeast on iHeartRadio. We're on the TuneIn app. We're on the, let's see here. we got so many going on these days, it's kind of hard for Johnny to remember them all. One of the great new additions we got is we're on Spotify and Spotify, you can listen to it. Whether you have a subscription or not, you can listen to the Y'all Show at your own discretion on Spotify. And it's very, very well done. There are the folks at Spotify with the way they have the Y'all Show presented. You can go there and listen almost instantly after a show is available. So that is a, a nice little way for y'all to be in the know of what's going on with y'all. It's the podcast options of the talk show that truly is all about the Southeast. And here, yours truly is very, very fortunate and happy to discuss all that on a day-to-day basis as we are here for you. Now, let's kind of catch you up with some of the news headlines and more. I would say probably the biggest worldwide story continuing on for just a few more days the Olympics in Tokyo. And I want to ask y'all, and you're welcome to fire a question, comment, suggestion. I want to know, are you tuning in and watching the Olympics? How big of a deal are the Olympics of 2020, which technically are the 2021 Olympics, but they're still called the 2020 Olympics Tokyo. The Olympics, are you are you tuning in? Is this a big deal? Are you losing sleep over what's going on in Japan right now. I know personally I've been actually traveling so much that I have not really tuned in all that much. I I actually would have watched the golf medal round, if that's what it's called, the final round, that I think was held Saturday night here in this part of the world. Technically Sunday in Japan. And I I was traveling and at the hotel, I guess they went cheap there with their lineup at the hotel I was staying in, the Shady Rest Motel. No, it wasn't called that. It was actually a national chain, but, but uh, 
they went cheap on their direct TV package at this hotel, and I did not have the golf channel on my hotel lineup Saturday night, so I wasn't able to see that round that Xander Shoffley shot, and he ended up winning the gold medal at the Olympics. That was the one sport that I probably would have watched a fair amount of had it been on, but I (laughs) was not able to see that, unfortunately, for me. But some of these other sports, NBC has invested a whole bunch of money to have the Olympics coverage exclusively here in this country and maybe in other countries too. I'm not so sure it's paying off for them. I don't have the numbers in of ratings, but it looks like there's a lot of people like me that aren't necessarily so obsessed with what's going on from a Olympics tuning in standpoint. And maybe somebody's going to lose a lot of money. Maybe the numbers are going to be so far down that the Olympics coverage is going to be a bust in 2021. And I would have to say, could have told you so. Most of these Olympic athletes you've not ever heard of in your life. And I know there's been one athlete that has been nonstop in the news for some of her actions or deciding not to do certain activities in gymnastics. And Biles is who I'm talking about. She gets a bronze medal, and now suddenly she's the greatest athlete ever? I have to question that. And I know she's won a lot of medals in her time, and congratulations. But she's not exactly gone to Tokyo and done it did what most people thought she was going to do. She's <laughs> kind of flaked out in a lot of ways. And to make her a hero is a little bit, little bit weird when there are real successful heroes that need a little attention too. Nothing wrong with Biles, but there's – Plenty of other great stories in addition to Simone Biles going on in Tokyo. And those are just American stories. And I bet a lot of them are Southerners in the U.S. team mix. And here on the Y'all Show, of course, we like to promote what's going on here in the 16 Southern states as much as we possibly can. So Olympics rolling on in Tokyo for just a handful of days. How about... Some good fish tales to tell you here on the Y'all Show. A 13-foot hammerhead has now been caught off the coast of Florida. This is right off of Navarre Beach on the panhandle of the Sunshine State. 13-foot hammerhead. A charter fishing company got this massive shark this week. It's the largest shark this fishing company has ever caught. And what a scary-looking thing. When the good Lord made sharks, he gave the ugly part of the shark DNA (laughs) to hammerhead sharks. The Navarre Beach Shark Fishing Company, that's a charter fishing company based in the Panhandle at Navarre Beach, put their photo up online on their Facebook page. According to the post, Kerry Gullickson and Tanner Peel were leading a trip with some clients when they caught this 13-foot-long hammerhead. And according to that social media post, it said, we landed the biggest shark in MNBSF. That's, again, Navarre Beach shark fishing we've ever caught. Uh, This, again, supposed to be a 13-foot-long shark. It was safely released, by the way, as Carrie and Tanner did a good job de-hooking and then releasing this monster shark. The co-owner of the company, Jack Moran, 
said that they don't often come across sharks that big, according to the company. The clients were super excited and were in awe. Yeah, I think I'd be in awe, too, if you saw this 13-foot monster on the end of your reel. You'd be somewhat in awe as well. The TV channel TLC is promising a 90s vibe for an upcoming show that is based in Alabama. Breakout 90s group TLC promising this big vibe as their tour starts in Alabama. Do y'all remember TLC? They say that the 90s are back in style, back in vogue. And recently here on this show and other shows, 90s fashion is the hot fashion for kids going back to school. And how about that? That the 90s, and I'm trying to think. Actually, I'm a survivor of the decade of the 1990s. I'm trying to think what kind of fashion things were big at that time because I, I'm a little bit more up on some of the crazy 80s fashions, the parachute pants. When I was a youngster, we had a big fad for a while of kids wearing fluorescent colored shoestrings. And that was a big deal for a while. And I don't know why that fad has not come back. That was a really cool thing. The local sports store had these things on sale. And kids would go in there and trade. You'd trade shoestrings. Some of them were really bizarre with their patterns and colors. And it was a kind of a neat, inexpensive hobby that kids had back early 80s, I would say. Also, here's a good 80s memory that... Many of you probably haven't seen one of these lately. How about Panama Jack shirts? Ocean Pacific shirts were a big craze back in those days. But 90s? I'm going to have to do a little quick Google search of what I'm talk- what we're talking about when we come to 90s fads and, and trends other than maybe the Nikes of the world and, and some of that. But TLC, again, launching their celebration of crazy, sexy, cool and that starts September 3rd at the brand-new Sand Mountain Amphitheater. That's in Albertville in North Alabama, south of Huntsville. And these three ladies are, are two of the three. One of them has died, unfortunately. Left Eye Lopez died back in 2002. The signature song for TLC is a song called Waterfalls. And so let's see if we can't pull that up real quick and Maybe this will be a little bit of a throwback to the 90s with this song if you have not heard it lately, but we'll play that here when it gets loaded up. TLC, again, an Atlanta-based R&B pop hip-hop group, and they are available on the website officialtlc.com as they had members Chili, and that was Rosanda Thomas, T-Boz, Tion, Wiggett, Watkins, And then Left Eye Lopes, that was the member that passed away. Lisa Left Eye Lopes, a member of this three-girl act out of Atlanta that formed in 1990, TLC. And uh, like I said, we're going to give a little spin to Waterfalls. Perhaps it's been a few decades since you heard this one played, and we'll give it its proper spin as we... Again, here on the Y'all Show, love to tell you about the history and more of the South and our musicians and more. 
And this is Waterfalls from TLC. Okay, sing, ladies. Time now. <laughs> I'm trying to give them their proper credit here. TLC. All right. Okay, we'll just have to leave that one back in the 90s. But if you want to go see TLC, this 90s group, they're going to be again in Albertville, Alabama. September 3rd is the date that they'll be opening up this brand new facility right alongside the Tennessee River in Albertville, Alabama. How about Albertville getting into the performing arts world and having something like this go on i'm pretty impressed of course for a long time from an entertainment standpoint do y'all know what albertville alabama was known for it was known as that place you had to go through usually on your way to the outlets in boaz right down the road from albertville alabama one time boaz alabama had maybe the largest outlet place in the country and people would make vacations and go there from all over the south and many of you perhaps helped go on a trip there and enjoy the outlet shopping of the south at places like boaz i just passed a place yesterday actually that was booming at one time some 25 years ago with outlets they have all gone out of business, which I think is also the case in Boaz and almost every other place from 20-plus years ago that was an outlet option. But this place I saw was being revitalized, and it looked like somebody was going in there and sprucing the place up, and maybe if you get a chance, you'll you'll be able to go to that place. But I'm, I'm not going to tell you where it was because I don't know for a fact that it's going to end up being a, a shopping destination when it's all said and done. Knowing how most things in the South work, it might end up being a Dollar General store (laughs) when it's all said. That's one thing. I I think there's one in Dollar General's home city of Goodlettsville. Might actually be more Hendersonville, Tennessee. But I think they have like a super Dollar General that's almost the size of like a, 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 a big Walmart. So they have a lot of extras that come in from other Dollar General stores from across the southeast and I, I've, I've only seen it from the outside and I've got a friend who lives in Goodlettsville, Tennessee a hometown by the way of Dollar General as I just said and I think it's like a Dollar General on steroids and I've got to go in there and check it out where the, the specials and more that they might have put on there and you can go check that out. What you also can check out is Disney World. Here's some good tourism news if you're looking for a getaway for the family. Disney World is putting a $6,000 price tag on a two-night Star Wars adventure for a family of four. The Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser opens spring 2022 at Hollywood Studios. Kind of a pricey price tag, if, if you ask me. But if you're a big Star Wars fan... In about nine months, maybe, you can have a first-of-its-kind experience that is promising to immerse guests in a galaxy far, far away 
as guests will be allowed to become the heroes of their own stories, according to a Disney news release. Disney revealing sample pricing for this experience. For two guests, pricing will start at $1,209 per guest per night for a total of $4,800 and $4,809, the total, for the two-night experience. For a family of four, it starts at $749 per guest for a total of just shy of $6,000 for this experience. And the price includes all meals while on the Star Cruiser. Guests staying on the Star Cruiser from Disney will be taken to Disney's Hollywood Studios and will experience both attractions in Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. Disney has provided a sample itinerary for guests that includes immersive role-playing while on the ship and other missions. Some other highlights include lightsaber training, working with the bridge crew, droid racing, and a whole lot more. Again, for just... A couple of thousand dollars for two days of your life. You and other members of your family or your crew, if you will, can head on down to Disney World and have one heck of a two-night Star Wars adventure. But it ain't cheap. Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser opens up in spring of 2022. Thankfully for at least this guy, my little one that I'm pretty close to is not really into the Star Wars stuff that much. So, sorry, we're not going to go spend $6,000 at Star Wars. We'll spend $6,000 maybe on, um, hmm, what could I buy? What would I like to get? Well, frankly, I'm going to be selfish like most parents. I'm going to buy it for $6,000. It's going to be something that makes my youngin' happy, but it makes old dad happy too. Wouldn't y'all think that's a pretty good plan going forward? Yeah, I think so. The Y'all Show continues after this break. Stay where you are. We'll be right back. We've got a quick look at some of the sports happening here of the Southeast, and that is straight ahead. Stay tuned. talk with a southern accent and we're going to talk a little sports here and what a great segue song to segue into sports because that fella singer right there mr mike reed did y'all realize he's a former nfl player mike reed did you realize that he played for i think a team called the penn state knitting and lines 
and did a pretty darn good job. And Mike Reed went on to be one heck of a country music singer and songwriter. He did a duet one time with Ronnie Millsap, the Altoona, Pennsylvania-raised Mike Reed. Mike Reed is 74 years young and, again, played for five seasons with the Cincinnati Bengals. Did you realize the Bengals are actually an NFL team? <laughs> uh, well, maybe when Reed, yeah, if he played there in the early 70s, they did move over from the AFL to the NFL by that time. But Mike Reed, when he was suiting up for the Bengal Tigers of the NFL, he actually got invited to the 1972 and 1973 Pro Bowl. And congratulations on that. I was at the big Nashville Convention Center that they built south of Broadway. Huge, huge, huge building. Maybe one of the biggest buildings I've ever seen. And they've got a nice little display there if you're walking through the corridors of that. And it's all about Mike Reed and his incredible music career that he's had as a singer-songwriter. In fact, he helped write Ronnie Millsap's big Grammy Award-winning song from 1984, Stranger in My House. And then he started his own solo career for Columbia Records. And that song right there that you're hearing, Walk on Faith, a number one song for Mike Reed. Here it is. All right, Mike Reed, Bengals turned Nashville singer-songwriter. Not bad, not bad for Mr. Reed. Even though he's a dang Yankee, but he's been living in the South long enough, we're going to go ahead and claim him regardless. Let's talk a little sports news. What is going on with the Big 12 and other conferences? The athletic director, at least of Kansas State, Gene Taylor, is going to replace Texas's Chris Del Conte on the college football playoff selection committee that was announced today by the CFP. If you have been away, let's say you've been at the beach for the last couple of days, not even weeks. If you've been under a rock for not a rock, if you've been under a rock in the last two weeks, the SEC has added two members the most powerful members of the Big 12 Conference, Texas and Oklahoma, officially will become SEC members at least July 1st of 2025, likely before then. I was passing through Birmingham two weeks ago today. Never in my wildest nightmare would I have ever thought two weeks ago today that it would already be a done deal that those hook'em horns and those boomer sooners would be suiting up and joining the Southeastern Conference as the 15th and 16th members of the SEC. But that, that has happened. And now the ripple effects of that sudden change taking place already with Texas's person being booted, at least as a Big 12 representative on the college football playoff, and now you're going to have a K-Stater and athletic director Gene Taylor take over for the Big 12's representative on the college football playoff. Taylor was actually nominated by the Big 12 and approved by the 10 FBS commissioners there and also by Notre Dame athletic director Jack Swarbrick. 
and will serve a three-year term. Are we going to start seeing Texas and Oklahoma's administrators end up having big roles in the Southeastern Conference, even though they're not officially on board quite yet, but that's pending for sure? That I would say most certainly likely to happen for the members Oklahoma and Texas of the SEC when that happens. Now, more on this whole paradigm shift, if you will, of these college teams. The commissioner of the American Athletic Conference is Mike Oresco, and he is now denying any collusion. Where's Donald Trump when you need him? That was the big word for a while, collusion with Russia. Well, now people are pointing their fingers at the AAC and saying that they were colluding with ESPN and the SEC to try to pick away members of the Big 12. Well, according to Commissioner Mike Oresco, he's denying any collusion, no collusion with Big 12 teams, trying to steal a couple of those members to essentially sink the Big 12 conference. Last week, Commissioner of the Big 12, Bob Bowlesby, said he went on record and said that ESPN and at that time an unnamed conference had gone after several remaining Big 12 teams, even telling CBS Sports that American Athletic Conference officials had pursued three to five teams from his conference. Now, Oresco today vehemently fired back at that assertion. And so, assertion, rather. And, uh, yeah, that too. So, we got a little bit of a brouhaha of sorts going on with some of these athletic conferences right now. And it makes for good things to talk about here in the dog days of summer while we still don't have actual games being played. We do have conference civil wars going on, and that's always a interesting thing to talk about on the eve of a college football season start. Former Charlotte Hornet Kimba Walker in the news. He's going to join the New York Knicks after the Oklahoma City Thunder have agreed to a buyout. The four-time all-star guard of the Oklahoma City Thunder agreeing to a contract buyout today, paving the way for the Knicks to sign him to his hometown New York Knicks. Thunder general manager Sam Presti and Kimball Walker's agents work to come to an agreement on this buyout of the two years and the $74 million remaining on Kimball Walker's contract. Kimba, a 31-year-old who was with the Boston Celtics in June in what was the first major move by Brad Stevens after he went from the coaching the team to replacing Danny Ainge as president of basketball operations. So Kimba really had not done much, if anything, with OKC. And he goes from Boston to OKC and now to the New York Knicks. What is up with the New York Knicks? This is a franchise that has essentially fallen off the map over decades. There is no excuse for the only team that plays in Manhattan to be irrelevant in professional basketball. The New York, yet uh, the Mets and the Yankees are pretty relevant in terms of baseball. The New York Giants have won a couple of Super Bowls of late. Now, the New York Jets, they're not doing too good these days, but that could change. But the Knicks for sure haven't done anything in a long time and likely 
moves like this, bringing in Kimball Walker, are going to help maybe turn the tide for the Knicks fans out there as they try to improve their fortunes heading into the forthcoming NBA season, of which some of you out there are saying, who cares about NBA basketball? Well, we don't necessarily cover it nonstop here on this show, unlike ESPN, which I bet I could turn on out of a 24-hour day, 20 of the 24 hours, and somewhere, no matter what month of the year, NBA is going to get nonstop coverage on that channel, that that four-letter word <laughs> channel called ESPN. Am I being too harsh on ESPN? Probably so. I'm a little jealous, I'll admit, but, boy, I'm not jealous at all the money they evidently are losing there with all the viewers who've turned off, maybe because they're – have this crazy NBA stuff on all the time. There's a time and place for the NBA. Early August ain't one of them. It's it's football time, y'all. This is Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent. We're going to take a break. Come right back and tell you after the break all about our Spotlight School. And that Spotlight School today is the Virginia Tech Hokies of the ACC. So we'll discuss the forthcoming season and what you could expect from Justin Fuente's ball club It's Hokey Hokey High, and that's up next on the show that's all about the South. The South and college football have enjoyed a love affair for more than 150 years. And the Y'all Show is getting y'all ready for the biggest year college football's ever had. We're on a 44-city tour of Dixie's great college football teams. John Rawl is getting you ready when the toe meets leather Labor Day weekend. So get your chin strap on and get ready for today's Southern College Football Tour stop. Here's Johnny. Well, Frank Beamer built quite a program at Virginia Tech, and on today's Y'all Show, we're going to take you to the mountains of southwest Virginia, and Virginia Tech, the Hokies, are our spotlight school on our 44-city odyssey across Dixie, getting you ready for the start of the 2021 college football season. How about them Hokies? The Hokies are now led by Justin Fuente as the coach came over from Memphis several years back after leading the Tigers to a great couple of years. 2016, he was hired at VPI. And Fuente, in his seasons as both coaching the Tigers and the Hokies, has a head coaching record of 64-49. and Impressive, but Virginia Tech fans want more out of that program. We'll tell you more about what exactly they expect here on the Y'all Show as we talk here this hour about Virginia Tech's 
2021 schedule, as well as some of the other fun things about Virginia Tech football's history and more. Hour three today of the Y'all Show. We're going to actually walk through some of the traditions of Virginia Tech, as well as we'll tell you about some of the famous alumni of Virginia Tech, the agricultural slash military school located in Blacksburg, Virginia. All that today on Y'all Talk with a Southern accent with your host, John Rawl. The Hokies, again, preparing for, just like everybody else in college football, preparing for about one month from today, the season to start. And Virginia Tech's season opener, they got quite an opener. They're diving right into conference play on September 3rd. And that's when North Carolina, a divisional opponent from the coastal division of the ACC, the Heels and the Hokies get together on a Friday night. And that's going to be on September 3rd when Lane Stadium hosts this battle at 6 Eastern between the Heels and the Hokies. That's going to likely be the biggest college football game of that first weekend's, at least Friday night. There'll be other games played on that Friday night of the opening weekend. But, boy, how about right into ACC versus ACC action when Mac Brown takes his heels into Virginia and take on the Gobblers on that Orange Effect game on September 3rd. And ESPN is broadcasting that one from Lane Stadium. Virginia Tech then follows that game from the opening week with the MTSU Blue Raiders as MTSU heads to Blacksburg for a game on September 11th. A very intriguing game. Two big East foes of yesteryear as the Hokies and the West Virginia Mountaineers have a game in Morgantown, West Virginia on September 18th. A team that has been very good and it has been a nemesis, at least to the Virginia Cavaliers in recent years. The Richmond Spiders will cast their web in Blacksburg, and on September 25th, this FCS member out of the Colonial Conference, they're going to be taking on Virginia Tech at Lane Stadium. A big game in Blacksburg on October 9th. The Notre Dame Irish come in for a big game, and that's going to be the one of the five games that the Irish will be playing, but not necessarily this year. An ACC game, but that one, again, set up for October 9th. Ninth ACC Network already scheduled to carry that game from Lane Stadium. The Pitt Panthers come not too far down the road for a game at Blacksburg on October 16th. The Gobblers with a game against Syracuse. That's a game also at home on October 23rd. Kind of a recurring theme. they got a lot of home games, it seems, there for Justin Fuente's program. The Hokies do pack their bags for the Tech battle. Virginia Tech versus Georgia Tech, October 30th. Right there, Halloween weekend. The Gobblers will be in Atlanta at Bobby Dodd Stadium for a matchup against Jeff Collins's Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. They're on the road for a second consecutive time on November 5th, a Friday night. ESPN2 is going to have the broadcast of Virginia Tech and Boston College, November 5th, the game from Chestnut Hill. And then the back couple of holes on the back nine of Virginia Tech's schedule. They've got a game at home against Duke on November 13th. Miami, that game's at Miami Gardens against the Hurricanes November 20th. And then they wrap up the season against their rival from the Old Dominion State, a game played in Charlottesville against Virginia. 
and that's on the Saturday of Thanksgiving weekend, November 27th, Hokies and the Hoos, all in the ACC. So that's kind of the setup of the Hokies schedule forthcoming for 2021. And then, again, Justin Fuente. Here is a guy who I'm a little surprised he's still coaching Virginia Tech because, frankly, I don't think he's done quite as good as many expected. He hasn't done horrible. If he had done horrible, he'd already be out of there. But looking back at what he's done over the five completed seasons at Virginia Tech, remember he came from Memphis where he had led that program to bowl wins and double-digit win seasons. And then he comes to Virginia Tech. He had a good first year. He actually got to go play in the ACC championship game as Virginia Tech in 2016 went 10-4. and four. But they've been on a little bit of a downward trend. They've lost three bowl games since that 2016 Belk Bowl. They went 9-4 and four in 2017, a losing season in 2018. They, they got to go to a bowl game, but they lost, and they ended up 6-7 in 2018. 2019, they finished second in the Coastal, lost the Belk Bowl. They went 8-5, and five. and then last year's crazy COVID year, they went five and six. So Fuente, he's got the hot seat getting hotter as he looks to improve this football program. Again, he took over. He was almost in an unwinnable position taking over for Frank Beamer after Beamer had been coaching at Virginia Tech since the 1980s. And now the Tulsa-born Justin Fuente, who played his college ball as a player at OU Murray State, Went on to play a little professional ball for the Oklahoma Wranglers. Was a quarterback. The $4 million a year coach. This is, I'm going to just say it here on the Y'all Show. A do or die season for the former Tiger head coach. Now Virginia Tech coach. He was the 2016 ACC coach of the year. He had been an assistant at TCU under Gary Patterson for a number of years before. Ended up going to Memphis and helped build a very good program that we saw his successor there go on and take them to a Cotton Bowl, for goodness sakes. Lost it to Penn State. But Fuente has a a background of making average or below-average teams rather good. And, again, the trend for his latest stop on his career resume is trending downward, and Hokie fans want to see that get improved and improved fast. Now, Virginia Tech, as a program in terms of their football fortunes, have never won a national championship. Remember, it was in 1999 they played a team called the Florida Gators, I think, that year. might have been Florida State. One of those schools they played in the Sugar Bowl. It was FSU. I'm sorry, it was Florida State. And that was a, a really, really big game between one and two, Bobby Bowden versus Frank Beamer. And FSU won that game in that Sugar Bowl, 46-29. And Virginia Tech was so close under Frank Beamer. I think Michael Vick was the quarterback back then. But they they lost that chance. They've won several conference titles. They've actually won four titles, if you want to call it that, in the ACC, more of a – co-champion, something along those lines. But in the ACC, they have claims 
to conference championships and and won it outright, actually. you got to remember, Virginia Tech's been a member of the ACC going way back as they joined that conference 2003, 2004, somewhere along those. 2004 was their first year. In fact, they won the ACC their first year as a member. 2004. They won the ACC 2004, 7, 8, 10. It's so easy to forget about how good they were before Dabo Sweeney absolutely turned around Clemson. But Virginia Tech, again, with no national championships to the claim, but the orange and maroon of Virginia Tech have a proud history. Lane Stadium sits. It's got about a 66,000 seating capacity there. And it's a beautiful place to go see a game, to watch it on TV and more. And if you are a college football fan, you want to go there and check out traditions. We're going to tell you about some of those traditions in hour number three. But this school, again, which started out as an agricultural and mechanical college of Virginia that still has that Corps of Cadets as a key part of the institution, looking to take what Frank Beamer helped build and, and take it to the next level under Justin Fuente, or if he can't do it, they're going to find somebody that will as Virginia Tech and that lunch pail with the win on the side, going to try to get lots of wins going forward to give them the kind of success that they're looking for. Frank Beamer, by the way, coached there from 1987 to 2015. And his son, Shane, now coaching the South Carolina Gamecocks, who used to be in the same conference as Virginia Tech, not in football, but in basketball, baseball, and other sports, the good old Metro Conference. If you're a basketball fan, you might remember that. But that's the Virginia Tech Hokies as they prepare for the start of 2021. They've got offensive coordinators and defensive coordinators, Brad Cornelson and Justin Hamilton, ready to help take this team and and this program forward. Braxton Burmeister is a returning quarterback. He's got a 3-1 record as Virginia Tech's starting QB. Also, Tavion Robinson's a wide receiver for this program. Watch for him in 2021. So optimism, optimism is right there. But boy, they got a tough climb in the coastal division. North Carolina is very good, and NC State—that's a team there in the. Well, they're in the Atlantic Division. Virginia, what Bronco Mendenhall's done with UVA makes it even tougher. Remember, Virginia Tech's got to go to UVA to close out the season. But Virginia Tech fans with a lot of optimism entering the 2021 season. And remember, that first game for Hokey Hokey High is at home against the North Carolina Tar Heels to start the 2021 season, that very first Friday night of college football's season. The Y'all Show wraps up its first hour of coverage here. After the break, Melissa Rhodes is going to be filing a southern accent on our great culture of Dixie. That's up next, y'all. Stay tuned.
Hey, Jackson in West Tennessee, Dustin Ring here again, and I'm still buying houses fast for cash. Me and my partners bought 12 homes last month in West Tennessee, and we're looking to buy even more this month. Remember, we buy personal houses, vacant houses, rented houses, non-rented houses, divorced houses, condemned houses. Are you a tired landlord, tired of making repairs and dealing with bad tenants? We'll buy those houses. Did you receive a new job and need to relocate like yesterday? We buy those houses. Are you having trouble making your payments and facing foreclosure? Let me help you. We'll buy those houses too. Remember, no matter the reason, we buy houses fast for cash in any condition. And when I say any condition, I mean any condition. We can close in little as 30 days and we'll pay your closing costs. So remember, call me, Dustin Ring at 731-549-5480. Remember, I buy houses fast for cash. Call or text me, Dustin Ring, 731 It's the top of the hour, and you've got the power. WNWS 101.5 Jackson and WTJS 93.1 Alamo Jackson. The views and opinions expressed on this show are those of the hosts, guests, and callers, and not necessarily those of management, ownership, or advertisers. Southern Accent. Here's an accent on the South from y'all.com. I'm Melissa Rhodes. A civil rights leader of the 1960s that's place in history has faded in the past half century is Whitney Young. Born in Shelby County, Kentucky in 1921, Young attended HBCU Kentucky State University in Frankfurt before starting a career in academia. He would become executive director of the National Urban League and lobby leaders like Presidents Lyndon Johnson and Richard Nixon to initiate government-funded social programs. Young, in a 1967 interview, talks about the turbulent times that was in the 1960s. Well, black people have been jeered and taunted and discriminated against and humiliated for 300 years. Young drowned in Nigeria in 1971. He was 49. President Nixon flew to Kentucky to give the eulogy, stating that Whitney Young's legacy was he knew how to accomplish what other people were merely for. Southern history, fun, and more at y'all.com. Thank you, Melissa, for that great informative thing there. A name from the past, Whitney Young. How about that? I, I actually just found out about him the other week for the first time because, well, he passed away right around the same time I was born, frankly. But a, a story from the civil rights era here on the Y'all Show. The Y'all Show's got another hour that we're glad to bring to you, and that is coming up. we got a look at some headlines of the Southeast and more. Stay tuned. It's Talk with a Southern Accent. We're back for more conversation about what's going on across the Southeast here on this Wednesday edition. I am John Rawl, and we're so glad that you have joined us here. If you have something to say, good, bad, or just something you got to get off your chest, 803-816-1170 is the way for you to get us right here on Talk with a Southern Accent. That That is the easiest way. You also can email us. We have an email address of M-A-I-L, mail at y'all.com. Right there. Easy, easy, easy. Did I say it was easy? It it definitely is. It's available for you 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Just pull up the old keyboard, type out M-A-I-L at y'all.com, and you'll be connected to us for all things Southern. And don't forget, while you're writing all this down, or as we good Southerners say, you're jotting this down. 
Don't forget that the homepage of the South is y'all.com. And we have so much good stuff going up there. We've got stuff already posted on the South's homepage. And I've got something here. I'm here hosting the Y'all Show. But I also have a couple of other roles that I play. I'm kind of like an actor. And one of the roles of the many roles I play is website publisher. And I've got a I'm a I'm gonna tell y'all something here on this show that you probably don't even know because it's not up on y'all.com. I'm gonna tell you the name of a story that I'm getting ready to post here momentarily, and I'll just uh, give you a quick preview. It's called How the South is Coping with Population Growth from COVID-19. Are we actually growing as a region? Because of COVID-19, you're just going to have to go check out this article that our great y'all.com contributor, Ainsley Lawrence, has just pinned, but it's not posted. But if you'll, I'll tell you what, give me about 10 seconds here and I'll go ahead and publish this and you can, no, I'm not going to do that. Y'all got to, y'all got to keep listening to this show. Now hear this, now hear this, the y'all show has great content, and we want you to go look for this story that's going to get posted soon, real soon, how the South is coping with population growth from COVID-19. That's going to be very informative and a very good custom story that you're going to find at y'all.com, and you're not going to find it anywhere else. Ainsley, great job. But John, your friendly y'all show host, is going to have to publish this thing here in a second and not be sitting here running his mouth like I have been for one hour already and got another two hours. But, hey, I like talking. Hope you like listening. And we appreciate all of our great listeners. We got listeners that we don't even know about. And I want to tell you, if you're a listener, we value whatever you got to say. So when I shout out numbers like our text line, 803-816-1170, I do that. Because we want to get any kind of feedback from you. And, and it could be criticism, but y'all, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like every other person out here called a human being. I'm okay getting praise. I'm okay getting a, a nice virtual pat on the back. If you like what you hear and you want to maybe make your gracious show host feel kind of special, all you got to do is say, hey, John, and I don't care how you spell my name. You can spell it J-O-N, which is actually the way it is, or J-O-H-N. I'll take, you can call me your big dummy. I don't care. Just let me know that you're listening. Let me know that you appreciate it because that's important to me. That's kind of like when you call these 800 numbers or you call any kind of customer service number, they have that whole deal where they'll say, do you mind completing a quick survey when the call is over? (laughs) And I used to kind of say, no, but now I do it, especially if they make it easy for you. I don't want to do a survey where you end up having 20 questions fired at you. But if it's a simple survey, for example, one that I just was on last night, actually, I had one of these travel websites I had gone to, and I had to make a cancellation. And the lady actually did a virtual, it was a virtual assistant that helped me because I tried to call, get this, I call the number for this company, a national travel type company that helps with bookings. And I call the number to try to talk to a, what's called a real human being. And the, 
announcement said, if you would like to hold, someone will be with you, but the projected wait for you to talk to someone was two hours. And I actually went ahead and pushed the button to sit there and listen to the music and hold because I said, ah, they're not going to be two hours. They probably just tell people that to get, get them off the phone. So I actually sat there and let my phone play their elevator music while I was waiting on them to come on the line, and I waited and I waited, and it ended up being a 10-minute wait, followed by another 10 minutes and another 20 minutes go by. It was about 45 minutes later I realized, you know, they might not have been kidding on the whole two-hour wait thing, so I might want to look at another option, and I did. That's when I found out that they had a virtual assistant on this website, that many companies have, no matter what the business. And I pulled up that option and fired away a little note, and I got a response. I think the person's name was Marianne. I think it's a good Southern name, by the way. And this person, if it really was a person and not a robot, was rather helpful. And so after she, she if, if she is really a she, went through all the process of helping me cancel the booking, after I realized this actually might end up being legitimate and I got an email announcing one of my a confirmation of a cancellation that's when I realized I think I can hang my phone up now it looks like this whole two hour wait thing is for the birds our friendly virtual assistant Mary Ann looks like she's going to come through for me so as far as I can tell my cancellation is cancelled it, it, it worked and I'm not going to have to wait any longer for some real person to get on an actual phone and talk to me, but evidently the virtual assistant did what they were supposed to. And that's a good thing, but I also am not opposed to doing that. I bet a lot of you out there don't want to necessarily deal with virtual assistants. You want to be like the old timer that I am and rather talk to a person, but you're not going to wait two hours. Heck, if you're on a cell phone, you're not going to be able to keep your phone charged that long if you sat there and waited for two hours. So that was my virtual assistant kind of story to pass along here. But I bring that up to tell you that we here at the Y'all Show like our feedback. So even if it's a nice, hey, keep it up, come on, we like it, we'll take that. We need that. We need that assurance. We need that to feel good because some of our days here, we're just like anybody else out there. Some of our days aren't exactly our best of days. And having nice words said about us makes us feel good. And that's what we try to do here on the Y'all Show. We, we try to feel good so we can make y'all feel good. And we appreciate the feedback. And also, I had a chance to talk to the Y'all Show fan club earlier today. And it's growing. It, it doubled in size today. And I appreciate our killer bees. Both of these gentlemen with the first name of B, I was able to talk to. They didn't even know about each other. And they both actually publicly admitted that they enjoy the Y'all Show. And, and one guy was actually quoting some of my recent interviews. And I, I, I was flattered. So thank you. Thank you, Mr. B for listening and, and hopefully we're doing a good job let's shut up talking about ourselves and talk about what's going on across the southeast today how about that 
The Better Business Bureau is warning of a new IRS scam stealing personal information. Oh, where's our virtual assistant when we need her? The BBB of Middle Tennessee and Southern Kentucky warning people of this new scam to attempt to steal personal info. The newest scam is based around a third round of economic impact payments. According to reports, people are receiving fake emails and text about tracking their third round of these stimulus payments for COVID-19. The email is coming from an address claiming to be the IRS claiming that their third round of payments is available. The email, and if you want to go to your email inbox right now and compare notes, the email states that, quote, they have determined that you are eligible to receive a payment with a button to submit an application. Sounds legit so far, doesn't it? The application is actually a way for people to fish and not the kind that Craig Faulkner likes to do when he shows up here for his fishing forecast on the Y'all Show. No, this is P-H-I-S-H. The application's a way for people to fish for personal details from you and commit identity theft. When you click on this link, you are then redirected to a website that's called Get My Payment, which looks almost like the IRS's website. Give credit to these scammers, to these fishers, these PHISers, these fishers of the world who know how to mimic legitimate websites. And their website of Get My Payment looks pretty official from the Better Business Bureau's standpoint. When you go to that website, you're asked to submit your social security number or individual tax ID number along with your birthday, your name, and other information. And it's all a scam. And you could be taken for a ride if you're not careful. So, the Better Business Bureau has put together a list of things to help you spot this brand new scam. Again, a scam based on the third round of economic impact payments. And it is something to be on the lookout for. According to the BBB, to help spot the scam, you need to stay calm Resist the urge to act immediately, no matter how dramatic the story is. Scammers try to get people to act before thinking about the situation. That's good advice, no matter. Stay calm. Try to be careful, because these scammers, these scum of the world that do this kind of stuff, want you to act before you even think it out what you're doing. The other tip from the Better Business Bureau on these kind of scams, you don't reply directly to them. Don't respond to unknown calls, texts, or emails. If you believe the message may be real, find the government agency's contact info on the Internet and contact them directly. The government or just about anybody out there other than me they're not likely to be calling or emailing you wanting to give you money. Now, here at the Y'all Show, I would love to give you lots of money, and that's why you need to keep listening. But I'm not going to do it from a scamming standpoint. And notice I said I'd love to. I really would love to give y'all a lot of money. I'm just not able to right now. But 
Maybe we will one day. Another tip from the Better Business Bureau, check for lookalikes. Always check the URL of a link that you got unsolicited to ensure it is an official government website. You need to also research to see if the government agency or organization that contacted you even exists. So that's very helpful information as you're trying to figure out if something's real or not real, fake or legitimate. And the last tip from the Better Business Bureau, again, on this kind of scam or any kind of scam, frankly, the Better Business Bureau suggests do not pay any money for what's called a free government grant or program. It is not free if there is a fee involved. A real government agency, or let me say this a little bit more to the ears of our region, a real government agency will not ask for any advanced processing fee. If they want money just to process something, they're not the government. I said that in three syllables. They're not the government. That's it, two syllables. What you need to do is find out if the agency is legitimate by going to this website. Write it down, put it on the fridge. Grants.gov. And there you can confirm some of these so-called agencies, if they really are legit or if they're just a big old scam and you would end up being fished. And we're here on the Y'all Show to keep you from being P-H-I-S-H-E-D, fished. We're fixing to fish the fish dead out of you. <laughs> so keep that in mind. Again, a scam currently underway. Be careful out there. Here's another story from Arkansas, Southland Casino Racing. Speaking of, is this real or is this fake? Is this fake news on the Y'all Show? On the Y'all Show, we, we're trying to keep it real, y'all. And that includes real stories. This is a legitimate story. I told you here, we want to give away free money. We'd like to. Well, I'm going to give away news that's free, but what a deal this is. We will tell you about a Mid-South company that's giving away. Where's my Price is Right theme music? Uh, producer, producer, where is it? Help me out here. I got to pull it up here. We're going to give away. What do you think you're going to give away? This Mid-South company is going to give away that would be big enough of a story to sit here and tell you about on the Y'all Show. Hmm, what is it? Could it be money? Could it be incredible clothing? Could it be a vacation? Some far, far place, perhaps, calling your name. Or could this place in the Mid-South, in Arkansas, be looking to... Give you a new car. Pretty catchy song, don't you think? Southland Casino Racing in West Memphis, Arkansas, is so happy about the reopening of the Interstate 40 Bridge, the Hernando De Soto Bridge, which was closed for about two months. 
Southland Casino Racing so happy they're going to give away four cars. Not one, not two, not three, but four new cars at Southland Casino Racing. They're giving away one car every three weeks, and they're going to do that for a total of 12 weeks. Players started earning entries into the free and easy car giveaway on Tuesday and will receive one entry for every 50 points earned while playing on their Lucky North Club card. Players can earn five times on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Saturdays. Drawings taking place at 6 p.m. on the following Sundays, August 29th, September 19th, October 10th, and October 31st. If you've ever been to Memphis... There's a little community just across the mighty Mississippi called West Memphis. And honestly, for most people in the South, when they think of West Memphis, they think of Southland. Because Southland has been the Greyhound racing capital of the Mid-South. That's going away. There will not be Greyhound racing there very soon. But Southland has evolved, and they now have Casino, they've got really good casino options for you. Lodging, they've improved that. And really, Southland Park is putting their finger in the eye of Tunica. Tunica, Mississippi, some 45 minutes south of there. And they're stepping up their game as they're evolving away from having Greyhound racing. And now Southland Casino Racing, giving away four cars over the course of 12 weeks all because they're so dadgum excited about the Hernando de Soto bridge opening up and I mean that's a pretty good thing to be excited about I don't know if I'd be giving away new cars but that's what they're doing here at the Southland Casino Racing in West Memphis Arkansas all right lastly here on the y'all show we'll tell you about What's going on in Texas? You know, it's been a while since we've given you a snake story. And a snake story out of the Lone Star State that makes the news, it must be one heck of a snake story. You know, I'm I'm a little scared of most of Texas because I've seen the TV shows enough to see that Texas has a little bit of a rattlesnake problem. And I'm scared. I'm scared of rattlesnakes, even though they give you a little bit of an audio warning. But right now, in Grand Prairie, Texas, a venomous cobra is missing. Hmm. The man who owned this cobra said the snake could be dead in his wall, but it might also be outside of his house. Now, just to give you a visual of the West African banded cobra that's missing. Yeah, this is your maybe worst nightmare from a snake standpoint. You know, it's the cobras that kind of lift their heads up off the ground and widen out. And you see them a lot of times on TV shows from places like India and Southeast Asia. Well, this venomous cobra, it's not where it's supposed to be. In Grand Prairie, Texas. Grand Prairie Animal Services said they were notified that the snake was missing on Tuesday night. Missing in the 1800 block of Cherry Street 
and that's near I-30 and Beltline Road, in case you're going to be passing through the area. <laughs> Might want to keep on trucking. The owner said the Cobra was missing from its enclosure and, again, not sure where it went. According to Grand Prairie Animal Services, Animal Services, the owner and a venomous snake apprehension professional actively searched for the snake inside and outside of the residence through the night with no success. The owner of the snake told a Dallas area media outlet that he's sorry for causing panic and that his snake could have been caught between the walls of his house and died. He added that the snake could have also gone down the creek that runs along I-30 and died. I don't think so. If you're a snake and you've been trapped up in some kind of enclosure in this guy's house and you get a chance at freedom, even if you're a West African banded cobra and you're in Grand Prairie, Texas, I would enjoy freedom. And I would go out and enjoy the cricks of Grand Prairie. And I would enjoy maybe if you're a snow, what I don't know what these type of cobras typically feed on, but I, I'm assuming there's a couple of rats or mice at least running around the area of Grand Prairie, Texas. And this, this snake is having a good time probably. Animal Services notified area hospitals of the missing snake and prepared them to treat a snake bite in the event someone happens upon the cobra and is bitten. I don't think you got to be worried about the bite as much as the heart and the heart attack that will ensue once upon seeing this daggum cobra of Grand Prairie, Texas. I'm sorry to be telling you these stories, y'all. I don't make the news up. I just pass them along. But not what we needed here in the South in early August. A cobra on the loose. We've already seen other wild and crazy animals floating around in recent weeks. And here is one that shouldn't even be in this daggum. Who let? What person at Customs and Border Control? Could we blame this on the Biden-Harris administration? Did this thing come across the border at Texas from Mexico? You know, when Mexico and those Central Americans send people to America, they're not sending their bur- their best. They're, they're sending, in some cases, their worst. They're sending their drug dealers and their burglars and their sexual predators and they're sending their rapists in some cases and some and some are good people but they're sending their bad people I'm, I'm trying to quote donald trump here but i think trump meant to also say back in 2015 they're also perhaps sending their cobras across the border from south america and more just be careful when you're passing through grand prairie texas because we don't want you to do what unfortunately could be a very very bad day if you run across a cobra all right i gotta get out of here on that one (laughs) the y'all show continues after the break we've got some more sports news taking place here on this wednesday and before the hour's up a quick business report and a look at southern books in the news all that ahead on talk with a southern accent Woo! watch out for them cobras
trouble in mind I'm blue But I won't be blue always Sun gonna shine in my I'm gonna lay my head on some cold old railroad line. Let that 290 train pacify my mind. All right, back into talk about the Southeast here. On the Y'all Show, I'm John Rawl. Our text line is 803-816-1170. And if you're just tuning in maybe this week to the Y'all Show and you might have missed our earlier shows in the week, I have revealed that I spent some of the last couple of days on the road. Me and old Willie Nelson were on the road together. Now, actually, I was traveling the, the roads across several of our southern states and I just happened to be in Spartanburg, South Carolina, Saturday, and that is the training camp of the Carolina Panthers of the NFL. And a story has come out of Panthers training camp this week that's pretty crazy. Pretty crazy update on training camp. And it's not often within a week of training camp they start cutting players, but they actually had to cut a player at Carolina Panthers training camp. And do you know why? This player got in a scuffle in a real awful scene from Spartanburg as rookie J.T. Ibe, who I think played for South Carolina. He was a Gamecock. He hit in practice receiver Keith Kirkwood, who's not really a, a star on the Panthers team, but kind of been more on the practice squad, maybe a little bit of action in some of the games. But this this rookie, J.T. Ibe, got cut this week because his hit, and they just started pad practice, I think, on Tuesday there at Wofford College. And Ibe hit Kirkwood so hard that the receiver had to be put on a backboard and taken to the hospital, had to be helped off the field and into an ambulance on the training grounds at Wofford College where the Panthers are currently undergoing their spring ball. Now, Ibe played college at both Rice and at South Carolina and, again, hurt his teammate, although they've probably only been a teammate a couple of days since training cramp just started. But Matt Rule ends up cutting this player, Ibe, and the head coach of the Panthers said that Kirkwood did not have any neck pain and that early signs were positive. Kirkwood already has left the hospital in Spartanburg and is in the care of team physicians after experiencing no issues with his spinal cord or neck. That's good news. But the Panthers waving safety, JTI, the rookie, kicked out of practice. Kicked out of practice for this just stupid hit on your own teammate on really the first day where they started to ramp things up. That's not the way you make an NFL roster by absolutely destroying 
a teammate. And that's what evidently this happened at Panthers practice. Sometimes you have fights amongst players. In fact, it was the Panthers. I remember this. Panthers some 10 years ago, they had one of their defensive playmakers who had played his college ball for the Ole Miss Rebels, Adi Tati. He got decked in a practice and had to miss a couple of games. And so they, they have a history of having some tension there on the campus at Wofford during spring drills. And my quick reflections, I, I did tell some of y'all this on the show. This past Saturday, the NFL had their back-together event for all 32 teams where they got together. They got back together. And it was a really cool deal. It was free. And people like myself and my traveling companion were able to go there and not spend a dime to see the practice go on. They had a lot of really cool stuff set out for the fans. And not just the Panthers. Every NFL team did this on Saturday. They had a a deal where you could toss a football into – a big giant wall that had openings, and the kids liked to try to mimic their favorite quarterback. In this case, I guess kids were trying to be Sam Darnold, and that was pretty fun. And it was just a great all-American type event the NFL put on this past weekend, and I was rather impressed by that. And as I may have already said, the – Panthers, at least, having their training camp at Spartanburg. The downtown Spartanburg area decked out with Panthers signs and banners welcoming spring or not fall camp as they have that now underway back after a year of not having it. Last year, there was no, for any NFL team, I don't think any of them went off to a neutral site, if you will, to have training camp. So Spartanburg, very happy to have that right there this past week when it got started, and that's going to continue on. In fact, the Baltimore Ravens are coming in for a combined practice with Panthers. I think next week is when that's going to be. Panthers' first preseason game is in Indianapolis against the Colts maybe next weekend, I think. I think I'm right on that. I will say that I found out after I departed Spartanburg Saturday that how about Luke Keekley was spotted I saw a video of him kind of standing outside the perimeter watching practice happen. So, Luke checking out his old team, the Panthers, this past weekend as they were having this event. About 5,000 people were there for the Panthers practice. And I saw that the Buffalo Bills had about 30,000 going there. And so it was – for most NFL teams, just a great chance. In fact, Matt Rule, I'll, I'll tell you this story. Matt Rule, coach of the Panthers, he got a chance to get the microphone and talk to people like me in the audience. And he laughed, the, the second-year coach now for Carolina, said, you know, I haven't been around this many Panther fans since I've been coach of Carolina. And he's entering his second player. And he's telling the truth on that. Remember that – Last year, essentially most of the home games for NFL teams, they really hardly had anybody 
in attendance. They did add people throughout the year, but it was a slow going, if you will, from from an attendance standpoint for NFL teams. So Matt Rule having some fun with his fans like me in attendance. Keep pounding. Now, the funny thing is, so my traveling companion happened to be my 11-year-old son, who's a big Carolina Panthers fan. And one of the main reasons we even went to this thing, we knew that the NFL's got a rule right now. You can't be within 20 feet of their players and personnel. But I thought my son loves Sir Purr, the Panthers mascot. And I thought, well, at least maybe I could get a photo of Sir Purr and my son at training camp. I even saw all the bus that Sir Purr travels in. Y'all, I never saw that darn black cat. And it was 90-something degrees, and we were sweating. We wanted to get our picture with Sir Purr, but it didn't happen. So the next day, because I'm a pretty pretty cool parent, I take my son from Spartanburg to Atlanta, and we see a Braves game on Sunday afternoon from Truist Park, or as I call it, the teepee. And do you know who came within five feet of us? And my son got a chance to have his photo with this mascot. It wasn't Homer, the or Blooper, rather. That's the new mascot for the Braves. It wasn't Blooper, the Braves mascot. They were actually having a Blooper appreciation event there at Atlanta on Sunday. And Blooper, the Atlanta Braves mascot, had a bunch of his mascot buddies come check out the Atlanta Braves game. And... Not only was Blooper there, but you had the Kansas City Royals mascot came to the game. You had Clark, the Chicago Cubs mascot, was there. And you also had TC, the Minnesota Twins mascot, was there. And then they had the Gwinnett Stripers mascot there. But they also had Freddie, the Atlanta Falcons mascot. And Freddie ended up coming right beside my son and I at Atlanta Braves at the game. And we got our picture, my son, with Freddie the Dagum Atlanta Falcon, the rival of Sir Purr. So all I got to show for my trip to Panthers training camp was a picture with the Atlanta Falcons mascot on Sunday. But thank you, Atlanta Falcons, for sending your mascot to a Major League Baseball game on Sunday. And how cool was it that you go to a game in the Deep South and you get to see the Chicago Cubs mascot, which I had seen before because I've been to Wrigley Field, but also to see the Kansas City Royals mascot and also the Minnesota Twins. Baltimore Orioles, the Oriole Bird mascot, was also there. Don't want to leave them out. So a pretty neat little event. And, yeah, here on the Y'all Show, if you don't mind, I actually don't mind and and actually have a great appreciation of mascots. I'm a mascot guru, if you will, And I just thought y'all might appreciate hearing about our mascots all getting along, even Cubs mascots coming to Atlanta and having a a good time. We're the Y'all Show. We're having a good time. Hope you're enjoying our good time. We're going to take a break from sports. When we come back, we've got a quick look at some Southern business news of the day. Also, before the hour's up, a look at some great best-selling books available across the Southeast. All that is ahead when the Y'all Show Talk with a Southern Accent gets right back here. Rise up, Falcon fans!
right, back into y'all. Got some business news to pass along, but hearing a song like that from Molly Hatchett brings up a, another memory from the last couple of days as I was on the road. This happened the other day that you probably have already heard about. The bassist for ZZ Top, Dusty Hill, passed away last week at the age of 72. And the reason I'm bringing that up today is my brother that lives in South Carolina had tickets last maybe Tuesday night to a ZZ Top concert near Spartanburg, South Carolina. And he and his lady friend were traveling there. And while en route, that's when the news broke that Dusty Hill had died from ZZ Top. So the concert ended up getting canceled there in the upstate of South Carolina. And here's the reason I'm telling you the story. So my brother's in the parking lot of where he decided to go ahead and go to where the venue was that ZZ Top was going to play. And there were some fans kind of already there, even though there was not going to be a concert. And some guy and his his lady friend said, yeah, they just canceled it because Dusty Hill died today and ZZ Top's not going to play. And they said, but there's a really cool place in town that everybody's kind of going to. They're, they're going to have a really good band. So... You might want to go there. And my brother traveled some hour and a half away to get to this town for the for the concert that ZZ Top was going to have. So my brother and his lady friend decided to go to this local club that people were kind of going to, people who had planned on going to a ZZ Top concert, making the best of it that particular mid-week night. And they go in there, hanging out for about 30 minutes, and lo and behold, that couple that told them to go there walk in the door. And they started talking to each other. Okay. So I'm not telling you this story because of that. My brother at some point tells this couple, yeah, we were really looking forward to this concert tonight from ZZ Top because we had really good seats kind of near the stage. And this couple said, oh, oh really? Uh, 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 really? Well, our seats were also going to be pretty good tickets too. Oh, and my brother's like, oh, yeah. So they pull out their tickets to compare <laughs> And this couple who they'd never met before in their life had the seats right next to them, literally side by side. They would have been seated next to each other at this ZZ ZZ Top concert last week. How crazy is that? And this is a pretty big venue that the rockers were going to be playing in. But Dusty Hill passed away last week at age 72. All right, let's talk about some business news and get away from the personal gossip here i don't have all that much gossip that's why i gotta save the good stuff that's a pretty good story there to run into these people and never meet them before and ends up you had a ticket right next to them had the concert have taken place today some business news stocks close lower on wall street today pulling the s&p 500 index below the record high it had set a day earlier That's the business story of today. Stocks gave back some of their recent gains after a disappointing jobs report stoked worry about the strength of the economic recovery as the highly contagious variant of coronavirus, the Delta variant, is spreading. The S&P fell 0.5%, easing back from the all-time high the benchmark index set on Tuesday. Crude oil prices fell more than 3% and pushed energy companies lower. So that the business news from Wall Street today. How about this story? It's put up 
about the best, best hybrid SUVs available to buy. SUVs are everywhere. Yeah, you see them. Do you have one? I had one. I had to get rid of it. Gas guzzler that it was. But automakers have been rolling out hybrid variants of SUV, SUVs and combined that with fuel efficiency and utility all in one package. And one story put out by the Associated Press, which doesn't necessarily get into the picking and choosing of cars, but they've got an article up, the five best hybrid SUVs you can buy. And if you will allow me, I'll share what they recommend here or what they have is their five best hybrid SUVs. The 2021 Ford Escape Hybrid with a base price of $30,000. That has made the list. Also, that and that fuel economy on that particular model, right around 41 miles per gallon. The Honda CRV Hybrid, that's got a base price of 32000 a fuel economy of 38 miles per gallon, and that is on the list. The CRV Hybrid from Honda, the Hyundai Tucson Hybrid is on the list. The 2022 Hyundai Tucson Hybrid has a list price of $30,235. It gets about 38 miles per gallon. Also, from this article, the 2021 Toyota Highlander Hybrid with a base price just under $40,000. This has a combined fuel economy of 36 miles per gallon. The Toyota RAV4 Hybrid also made the list. Check that article out if, you want to, if you're kind of in the car buying business these days. The five best hybrid SUVs that you can buy Again, the Associated Press has had this article posted, and you might just find the perfect remedy to that gas guzzler that you've got. And just to tell you about my ascension to, I won't call mine a hybrid, but I got a much better car. I went from a gas guzzling SUV to a a smaller car, and I don't want to, unless the car company starts giving me lots of money, I'm not going to plug which brand of car but but i like my car and i've had it two years now but i went from a miles per gallon standpoint from about 16 miles per hour with my good old us of a made suv to about 34 miles per gallon with my not good old us of a smaller car that i'm tooling around dixie in now so i love my country i love my good old red white and blue you're not going to see me kneeling anytime soon. But we need to do a better job on our cars, at least getting miles on them. And maybe Tesla might be the way to go. <laughs> you, you get really good miles to the gallon on a Tesla from a fuel standpoint because you ain't got no fuel to worry about. You just are limited to, what, 350 miles or something like that per charge. Mr. Musk needs to work on getting that number even higher. But... Yeah, if you have one of those types of cars, yeah, yeah, I sure like them. When we come back on the Y'all Show, we got a quick look at the best-selling books available. If you're trying to get you a good read for one of those long road trips across the southeast, perhaps in a Tesla, I'm going to tell you what's atop the charts in terms of the book world. That's ahead as we wrap up the second hour of our conversation about the South.
Listen up. In just a second, Tim McGraw is going to talk about hammering Hank Aaron, and I'll fill you in with a little bit more about the slugger. Hank Aaron smacked it. Michael Jordan dunked it. Pocahontas tracked it. Jack Daniels drunk it. Tom Petty rocked it. Dr. King paid it. Bear Bryant won it. Billy Graham saved it. All right, we're wrapping up this second hour of our conversation about the South. This is the Y'all Show, and my reference there of listening in for the Hank Aaron reference as I once again dive into my personal travels. I was at this Atlanta Braves game Sunday as they were taking on the Milwaukee Brewers, and it was Hank Aaron Appreciation Weekend there at Truist Park. They gave away great bobbleheads of hammering Hank Aaron, and we were able to walk away with a Indianapolis Clowns bobblehead of Hank Aaron and a Milwaukee Braves bobblehead, which was pretty neat. But during the game, they had a interactive contest on the screen there at Truist Park, and they were picking the best Hank Aaron song, a song that referenced the late Atlanta Braves slugger. And this Tim McGraw song was the fan's choice because it did give a shout-out to Hank Aaron. So how about that? The 755 home run leader, and to my, in my opinion, the all-time leader of home runs, Barry Bonds didn't do his necessarily the right way. I think Hank Aaron definitely did his the right way. We lost him not too long ago after a long life. But, yeah, Hank Aaron honored this past weekend, and I love the Braves unis that they wore this whole past weekend in their series with the 1970s-era nice blue-and-white throwback unis. Love, love that, although the Braves didn't look too good in those uniforms, losing two of three to the Rue crew. Wrapping up this hour, quick look at some of the top books available if you want to pick up a book for maybe a boring baseball game near you. Brad Thor is atop the New York Times ebook and print fiction list this week as Thor has penned the book Black Ice. That's number one this week. Laura Daves, the last thing he told me is at two. The cellist from Daniel Silva is at three. Emily Henry's People We Meet on Vacation. It's in the top five. And this one's been out a couple of weeks on the NYT list. It's the Paper Palace from Miranda Cowley Heller. And that's number five on this week's New York Times bestsellers list. In the nonfiction category list this week, we have a brand new one out at number one. It's called I Alone Can Fix It. And it is a book about Donald J. Trump. The book I Alone Can Fix It, Donald J. Trump's catastrophic final year. Well, it depends on who you're asking. Carol Lenning and Philip Rucker wrote that book. It's number one. Number two, Mark Levin, the great one. American Marxism is at number two. Number three, another Donald Trump-themed book. Michael Wolff has written the book Landslide, The Final Days of the Trump Presidency. So if you're looking for a couple of books... You can compare these two, Landslide and I Alone Can Fix It. They have the same theme, 
they're both, hey, if you want to write a best-selling book, write a Trump book about his last year, and you'll end up in the top five. Also in the top five, The Body Keeps the Score. Bessel van der Kolk wrote that one. It's number four. And Jesse Waters, the Fox News guy with the pretty hair. His book, How I Saved the World, checks in at number five this week on the New York Times bestsellers list. Well, we have one best-selling of a radio show that we do each and every day. It's called The Y'all Show. And if you'll do us a small favor and stick around, we've got a whole nother hour of our conversation about Dixie. And it's coming up. We've got sports info to pass along. And we'll tell you more about the Virginia Tech Hokies as the Hokies are today's stop on our 44-city tour across the South, getting you ready for the start of the 2021 season. That's all coming up right here. On y'all. Let me in. Let me in and to your life. Welcome to my world. This is the Y'all Show. We're back here for one more hour on this Wednesday. And let me tell you a little something. This is the show that is Southern and proud of it. We make no apologies about the South. It's 16 great states, the people that you find in it, from the shores of the Atlantic to those pretty white beaches of that Gulf Coast to the mountaintops of the Smokies all the way to the Mississippi Delta and across West Texas and Oklahoma and more. We we got it. Even that bluegrass that you find in Kentuck. We're Southern, and we here at the Y'all Show are giving you a three-hour dose of Southernness, mixing in news and sports and food and little entertainment, book news, a little politics, and a whole lot of fun. And I'm John Rawl thanking you for letting me be with you for the journey. 803-816-1170 is how you can get in touch with us. Love to hear from you. Love to get your tips of what's going on in your part of Dixie as we here at the Y'all Show are covering all of those places and, and just a whole lot more. This hour, we got a fair amount of sports stuff to get across to you. We've got some sports headlines. An update if you're a fan of the Washington football team. Oh, they're telling you what you can't wear to the stadium this year. Oh, my goodness, what what's what's going on when we're getting that kind of mandate from Mr. Snyder, the longtime owner of the Washington football team, a team that's going to be changing its name evidently pretty soon. It had a pretty good name for a long time called the Washington Redskins. I actually supported that team a little bit through my life. But, yes, the WFT in the news, I'll tell you exactly what that is all about in just a second. Also, Major League Baseball, they're putting out a notice that all teams will start the season for next year on March 31st. All teams starting on the same day. Remember, they used to start, I think it was on a Thursday night, was the usual start day of the week with maybe one or two games, and then they'd have that big rollout on – the next day, it might be Tuesdays. I just know one of the great – baseball is filled with lots of traditions. And one of the cool traditions of Major League Baseball, the Cincinnati Reds, they have that tradition of being 
a place where you can see opening day. And it's always the early, one of the earliest games of every Major League Baseball season is right there along the banks of the Ohio River when the Reds play whoever they have coming into town. And that's always a fun thing when Major League Baseball makes its way to its respective home stadiums after spring training. And the Reds have that tradition for all you Reds fans across the South, of which we have a lot. Remember the Big Red Machine of the 1970s? And even remember the Reds won World Series titles 30 years ago. I mean, it's not been just in the Johnny Bench era that the Reds won. They've done it here in some of your own lifetimes out there. But we'll tell you a little bit more about that. Plus, Kimball Walker in the news, the former Hornet and Boston Celtic, is going to have a new mailing address in the forthcoming season. We'll have those stories in a second. Also this hour on Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent, we're on a 44-city tour across the southeast as we're taking you to great college towns. We've already taken you to places like the Memphis Tigers right there at the Liberty Bowl. We've taken you to UAB, the Blazers. They were our first stop on our tour. UAB is about to open up a very impressive nearly 48,000-seat stadium in downtown Birmingham. We have taken you to the South's party capital on our 44-city tour. That's right. We have taken you on our tour to Conway, South Carolina, home of the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers, and that was one of our stops. We've also taken you to Normal, Alabama, home of the Alabama A&M Bulldogs. We have gone in recent times to TCU, told you all about Gary Patterson's program, and we've also recently told you about the Duke Blue Devils, the Florida Gators, chomp, chomp. We talked about them on Monday of this week. Today, we're in ACC country, and it's the Virginia Tech Hokies that are our featured college today on our 44-city tour. And later this hour, I'm going to walk through some of the traditions of Virginia Tech. If you're a Hokie fan, I'm going to explain that whole hokey hokey high thing if you're not a fan. And we'll also discuss what it's like to be at a game at Lane Stadium and a little bit more about the university itself, the institute, I guess, Virginia Tech, that it is, and some of the famous alumni of Virginia Polytechnic Institute, VPI, which some Virginia Tech fans really don't like it being called that, but for a lot of a lot of the time of, of many of us in the South, that was what it was called, VPI. And now they're all about VT, supposedly. But we'll discuss the famous alumni and more the traditions of Virginia Tech in Blacksburg, Virginia. That's coming up later. More headlines before the hours of all that right here at the show that's all about the South, powered in part by y'all.com, the South's homepage. Looking at some of the sports goings on of the world, back to that Major League Baseball story we were referencing a moment ago. MLB coming out with a statement that all teams will start on March 31st of 2022. That is assuming there's no work stoppage. And this will be, if it works, the fourth time to have every team play its first game on the same day and the first time that that has happened since 1968. I knew this was a story, but I had no idea that it was 53 years in the making since Major League Baseball last got every one of its teams out on the diamond 
at the same time. The league released the full schedule today. And just like I was saying a moment ago, the Reds have that proud history of hosting a baseball game usually every year. Maybe every year, but I know I'll just kind of be on the safe side and say usually every year. This year, what an opener. The Chicago Cubs and the Cincinnati Reds get together from their stadium. The old, was it Riverfront? And they get, they, I saw a game in that stadium. The last year it was there. They were building their new stadium that's currently the home of the Reds at the time. But I, I was able to see the Reds in that old stadium. And I have not seen them at the, at the new ballpark. That's on my to-do list. Other games already announced for the 2022 season opening games. Rockies at the Dodgers. The Bravos will be at Miami. The D-backs at the Milwaukee Brewers. These are all National League openers, by the way. Nats at the New York Mets. The Cardinals at the Pirates. And the San Francisco Giants at the Padres to start the 2022 season. So go ahead and set your iPhone calendar to tune in on March 30th of 2022. In the Junior League, the Blue Jays will be at the Baltimore Orioles, the Rays at the Red Sox, the Twinkies will be at the Shy Sox, the Royals, and the Cleveland Guardians. That will be their brand-new name when they host the Royals to start the 2022 season. The Angels, Halos, will be at the Athletics, the Tigers at the M's, and the New York Yankees will be in the Metroplex to take on the Texas Rangers. That's the schedule set today for 2022. So it seems like a very long time. Oh, yeah. By the way, opening day 2022 will actually feature an interleague game as the Phillies will be at the Houston Astros. The trash can talkers, I guess. The Strohs and the Phillies. I know that's not fair to pick on Astros fans. I'm, I'm picking on you. It's now, gosh, going to be pushing five years when this opener of 2022 happens. Five years, perhaps, since we know that the Astros were actually cheating. And a lot of those players will not, no longer part of that team, especially in 2022. So I probably a little bit of a cheap shot against Houston. But did you see this week the Astros, I think, played against the Yankees? And the Yankees fans let them have it about what happened in terms of the trash can alert procedure that they were doing way back in the day. More Major League Baseball to tell you about. Let's look at the current standings of MLB. And right now, it's a close race in the AL East. The Rays are just edging out the Boston Red Sox as Tampa has a one-and-a-half game lead over the Bo Sox. The Yankees are six-and-a-half back. Yankees with a 57-49 and mark. The Jays are pretty far out. The Orioles are completely out of it. Orioles with a 38-68 and record at this point. Looking at the American League Central, the Southsiders of Chicago are doing quite well. They got nearly a 10-game lead over the future Cleveland Guardians. The Tigers are barely surviving. They're 12 games back. Tigers have a losing record. Royals are not doing good at all. I don't know what happened to this team since it won its World Series a few years back. KC, 45-60. and 60. The Twins are 18-and-a-half back of the Chicago White Sox. Twins with a record of 45-63. and 63. AL West, the Strohs in the clubhouse lead with a 65-42 and 42 mark. 
and that's five and a half in front of the Oakland Athletics. M's, Angels, and Rangers pull up the rest of the West. In the National League East, it's been a real battle there. It's a close battle. And frankly, four of the teams of the National League East could easily be walking away with the National League East pennant, if you will, whenever we get to the end of September. Right now, somehow, some way, the New York Mets are still clinging to the lead as the Mets have a one-and-a-half game edge over the Phillies right now. The Atlanta Braves, they had a real opportunity to even things up with their series against the Milwaukee Brewers. They lost that series this past weekend. Braves are playing the Cardinals in St. Louis this week, midweek games at least. Braves are two-and-a-half back of the Mets. Nationals are six-and-a-half back. And look for Washington to try to take a giant step to get into the postseason over the next few weeks. The Marlins, who are in the cellar of the NL East, they still have a legitimate chance to at least turn things around. They're nine and a half games back at this point. When you look at the National League Central, you got the Milwaukee Brewers seven and a half games in front of the Reds. And I saw the Brewers firsthand Sunday, and they went out there with great pitching. They did not have an offensive slugfest in the game that I saw. They won two to one. But to the credit of Brewers, and I don't see the Brew Crew play that often on TV, and I hardly ever see them in person. Although, believe it or not, I think the last of the last three Major League Baseball games I've seen, two of the three involved the Milwaukee Brewers. One was at Milwaukee. I saw them play the Chicago Cubs of Chicago a couple of years ago, and they won that game, by the way. But to the Brewers' credit, I did not see a single name play Sunday that I was familiar with, and I think I mean, I don't claim to be a Brewers expert by any mean, but I don't think they've got players on the injured list at this point. I guess they were just sitting out some of their star players. But one of their players from recent years that I thought would be on the team, but evidently he's not a Milwaukee Brewer right now. And I'm sorry, baseball fans, for being completely – an idiot on this, but what happened to Ryan Braun? This guy who had been a six-time All-Star and an MVP home run leader in 2012, he wasn't on the team, and I didn't know that. I didn't know he was not a member of the Milwaukee Brewers anymore, and I'm trying to dig up what in the world has happened. So that's maybe a good documentary. What happened to Ryan Braun? He is not on the Brewers roster, and I don't have the definitive reason. Maybe he's retired. But, gosh, he was so good. Why would he retire right now? Uh, and, of course, this is a guy who got in trouble back 10 years ago for a disputed testosterone test as he got caught evidently using performance-enhancing drugs. And in October of last year, the Brewers opted to pay Braun a buyout rather than exercising a $15 million option, making him a free agent. So that's what happened. He is – Health-wise, able to play, the Brewers decided to save money by opting to pay his buyout and save $11 million, it looks like. And so he's not on the team. And guess what? Ryan Braun, not a Brewer, and they're leading that division. So a good front office move for the Brew Crew on that decision. But that was the name I, I guess I was looking forward to seeing Sunday, and I didn't see him. I saw a cast of players I'd never heard of 
and they did quite well, and they're doing quite well. Milwaukee leading the NL Central. Reds trailing them seven and a half back. The Cardinals are ten and a half back. St. Louis, a perfect 500. The Cards are 53 and 53. On Tuesday, they lost to the Atlanta Braves. The Cubbies are 51 and 57. They are 13 and a half back of the Brew Cree. And someone told me they know that the Cubs season is over because they're already dealing players to other teams at this point. So the not W flag, but the white flag evidently being raised at Wrigley Field right now. The Pirates aren't even close, 41 and 67. Looking at the NL West, the Giants, they have a three and a half game lead over the Dodgers right now. Padres are six back with a 62 and 47 mark. Then the Rockies are 20 back, and the lowly Arizona Diamondbacks may not win 40 games this year. The D-backs are 34 and 74. They are 33 and a half games out of first place in the NL West. And I don't even know if there's 33 games left in the season. I guess uh, 160 games are played. And the D-backs have played about 108 so far. So they may not make it to 40. That's a look at some of the Major League Baseball goings-on for all you MLB fans. Now to that NFL news of note. The franchise formerly known as the Washington Redskins, now known as the Washington football team, they have put out a statement banning American Indian headdresses and face paint. You can't wear that if you go to a game at FedEx Stadium. Now, it was just a year ago that Daniel Snyder, after decades of pressure from the NFL, even Barack Obama got into the pressure of the Redskins at that time, the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. Also in the kind of uh, battle, if you will, over the Redskins' name at the time, and, and then after all of the social justice goings on of 2020, Washington decided to change their name. And they've had this name of Washington football team for a, a year now. And now the franchise along the banks of the Potomac is banning fans from wearing any kind of American Indian headdress or face paint to games. Washington will hold a practice at, at stadium, FedEx Stadium, this Friday with approximately 20,000 fans coming in for it. So I guess they're going to have people out there looking for headdresses and face paint. Now, there's a lot of kids that like to put paint on their face. Is that illegal too? Or is it just having the markings of the great American Indians that we have in this country and the great history of American Indians, of which some would say the Redskin name was a tribute and honor to American Indians. I'm not that American Indian, so I can't answer that question. But, yes, the team now known as the Washington football team, and they will be – thank you – they will be changing their name. But right now, you got to go change your costume if you're trying to get into FedEx Stadium before the start of this year because they're not going to let you in to the big old stadium there in D.C. if you're coming in with American Indian garb on – 
The Texas Longhorns and the Oklahoma Sooners are SEC bound in a few years. And as a result of that, the Big 12 is doing some changes in terms of their representative on the college football playoff committee. Kansas State Athletic Director Gene Taylor is replacing the AD from Texas, Chris Del Conte, and he is replacing him on the college football playoff selection committee. The CFP did not say why Del Conte was being replaced or if he was it was his decision, but the UT athletic director is planning to usher his program into the Southeastern Conference, and it could be, in some people's view, a conflict of interest for someone tasked with objectively ranking the best teams in the country. So we have a change there on the college football playoff today with that. Also, speaking of this whole conference realignment and conference, who's going to – it's like musical chairs going on for some of these programs out there. Especially if you're a Big 12 member, your music is going to come to an end pretty quick, I think. I don't think there will be a Big 12 in about maybe a year even. But right now – Mike Oresco, the American Athletic Conference Commissioner, he's in the news because he's denying allegations that the AAC and ESPN strategically aligned or plotted to influence conference membership structures. Because he, He's saying this because last week, Bob Bowlesby, the commissioner of the Big 12, last week Bowlesby was going around saying that ESPN and, at the time, an unnamed conference – had gone after several of the Big 12 teams that were left after Texas and Oklahoma moved on to greener pastures with the SEC. And Bowlesby said that that unnamed conference had pursued three to five teams from his conference. And now, today, the commissioner of the AAC, Mike Oresco, is angrily firing back at that assertion as he put out a statement saying, Our conference has never strategically aligned or plotted with ESPN to influence conference structures. We wouldn't do that. ESPN has never done that and would not do it. We do consult with our television and business partners on issues related to our conference. Everyone does. Again, those are the words of the commissioner of the AAC, which has programs like the Houston Cougars and SMU, the Tulane, Green Wave, the East Carolina Pirates, the Memphis Tigers, and UCF and USF, and, and, and even the good old midshipmen of the United States Naval Academy are members of the AAC for football. But the commissioner, Oresco, he ain't having it. He's not putting up with that kind of talk coming from the Big 12. Kimball Walker in the news, the former Charlotte Hornet and Boston Celtic, He's going to be joining the New York Knicks after the Oklahoma City Thunder agreed to a buyout of his contract. And now he's taken his good basketball skills to America's largest city as the Thunder management and Kimball Walker and others work to come to an agreement on a buyout of two years and a $74 million remaining on Walker's contract. Yeah, you might want to go out there and try to get a couple of shots into the hoop if you want to start pulling in $74 million a year, y'all. By the way, I lost a game of cat played earlier today, so my basketball skills aren't exactly that great. 
myself. But, yeah, cat, I, I didn't have enough time to play horse. But congratulations to Kimball Walker, who is actually going back to his home city of New York where he'll be playing for the hometown New York Knicks of the NBA. And that is a quick check on what's going on across the southern sports scene. When the Y'all Show comes back, we are going to keep sports going on to some degree. We will be talking about the Virginia Tech Hokies. They are today's featured school. We're on a 44-city escapade across the south, getting you ready for the start of the college football season. And it's all Hokies. We'll talk about the traditions of Virginia Tech and some of the famous alumni and just more about the college itself. It's all Virginia Tech, and it's all coming up next. The Y'all Show is on the road and stopping by 44 of the South's great college football towns as we get y'all ready for the start of the 2021 college football season. Tailgates, traditions, fight songs. Can you feel the excitement? Here's y'all show host John Rawl to fire y'all up with today's great Southern College Football Showcase. And speaking of great fight songs here on the y'all show how about a little fight song for the virginia tech hokies chorus cadets take it away Virginia Tech was once known as Virginia Polytechnic Institute and State University. It is a public land-grant research university. Its main campus, Blacksburg, Virginia. And at Virginia Tech, it is one of the seven senior military colleges of America. What is a senior military college? Well, it's a college that it's a military school, but it also has other things going on too it's not west point it's not annapolis it's a senior military school and virginia tech just like texas a&m is part of that elite club of seven schools those seven schools include north georgia state and dahlonega also you've got from way up in vermont the first of our senior military schools in the entire country norwich Then you have Virginia Military Institute in Lexington, the Citadel, the Military College of South Carolina in Charleston. You also have, as I said, Texas A&M, which still maintains a Corps of Cadets. So I think I just added up that seven. Virginia Tech's one of them. They still have a very proud Corps of Cadets program at Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech, as a college, offers 280 undergraduate and graduate degree programs. And what a number of students they have had go to this school. Virginia Tech's enrollment is pushing 37,000 students in a rather small college town, Blacksburg. Blacksburg has a population there in Montgomery County in southwest Virginia of just over 42,000. And of the 42,000, it looks like 37 of them are students at Virginia Tech. (laughs) That's a lot of people. Virginia Tech, again, 
It got its goings back in 1872. That was when it was established. They're getting ready in 2022 to celebrate 150 years of Virginia Tech, which started out as Virginia Agricultural and Mechanical College for a long time here in the last 100 years. It was known as Virginia Polytechnic Institute, VPI. Now they just go by Virginia Tech. That's kind of a boring name compared to what it once was. But the seal of the school still has that whole polytechnic thing going on with it. If you have a degree from the school, you probably have seen that out there. Virginia Tech, today's stop on our tour across the southeast. And Virginia Tech, if you know anybody who is from there, you know that they're, they're proud to show off that they're a hokey. Let me tell you about some of the famous alumni of Virginia Tech. You have Hoda Kotb. Did you realize the Today Show anchor is a Virginia Tech alumnus? She sure is. They've had a lot of great athletes attend Virginia Tech, and I'll share that with you in a second. But, yeah, Hoda Kotb of the Today Show, class of 1986, got her degree and has gone on to be the NBC Today host and Dateline NBC host. Also from the world of television and more. If you're a big Jeopardy fan, Roger Craig, class of 99 from Virginia Tech, winner of the Jeopardy Tournament of Champions. And he, the once record holder of the highest five-game total. And also put the largest true daily double bet. Jeopardy alum Roger Craig, not the old San Francisco 49er running back, but the guy from Jeopardy, a Virginia Tech alum. Fox News reporter Molly Line, class of 99 also from Virginia Tech. In the world of music, one of the founding members of the rock band America, Jerry Beckley, is a Virginia Tech alum. You also have a singer, Known as Young Summer, Bobby Allen is a Virginia Tech alumnus. In the world of literary or literature, Kwame Alexander, the 2015 Newbery Medal Award winner for The Crossover, is a VT alum. The author of a whole bunch of books, including the New York Times bestselling memoir, Rocket Boys, Homer Hickam, class of 64 from Virginia Tech, Virginia Tech's also put out a lot of leaders in business and government and more. The former executive chairman of Breitbart News and a White House chief strategist for President Trump, Steve Bannon. Yeah, the Steve Bannon, the crazy guy that actually told Trump to stay in the 2016 race. Steve Bannon is a Virginia Tech alumnus. How about the CEO of Craigslist, Jim Buckmaster? Virginia Tech alum. From the world of the military, of course, this being a senior military school, you've got several generals and more. Class of 71 member, Lieutenant General William Boykin, a Deputy Undersecretary of Defense for Intelligence and a Commanding General is a Virginia Tech alum. Also, you've got a Class of 75 member who's done quite well in the United States Coast Guard, Vice Admiral Jody Breckenridge, Commander, Coast Guard, Pacific Area, is a Virginia Tech alumnus. 
from the world of sports, that's where Virginia Tech has done quite well. They've had a lot of great players in all sports. How about former Braves pitcher Brad Klontz? You have Kevin Barker, a first baseman for the Toronto Blue Jays. In basketball, one of my favorite Charlotte Hornets. I just mentioned this the other day. It would be uh, Stephen Curry's daddy and, and Seth Curry's daddy. Dale Curry, Virginia Tech class of 1986, who had a great career for the Jazz Cavaliers and those Charlotte Hornets. Dale Curry, a great Virginia Tech basketball player, a former head coach of the Charlotte Hornets, Alan Bristow, who also coached for other teams in the NBA. He is a Virginia Tech basketball alumnus. And then in more recent years, a guy who went on and played a little pro ball, Darren Washington for the NBA and more. Then you have in football, and this is where Virginia Tech's done quite well. One of their old players ends up being the current Super Bowl champion head coach, Bruce Arians of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a Virginia Tech alum. How about Andre Davis, wide receiver for the Texans? Michael Vick, of course, NFL quarterback, helped lead Virginia Tech to great, great success in the 1990s. Got into some problems off the field. I think that's been well chronicled. But he, a Virginia Tech quarterback of yesteryear, Tyrod Taylor, starting quarterback in the past for the Cleveland Browns, a Super Bowl 52 champion, Tyrod Taylor. And then you have other players that have done quite well coming out of the what was for years a, a great college football program under Frank Beamer. People like Jonathan Lewis of the Jacksonville Jaguars, a Virginia Tech football alum. So great players from all sports. Shout out to the 2007 British amateur winner in the world of golf, Drew Weaver, class of 2009. How about PGA Tour golfer Brendan DeYoung? He is a Virginia Tech golfing alumnus. Some of the great people who come out of Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech, some of the traditions. Well, first of all, what in the world is a Hokie? In the 1890s, a student named O.M. Stoll, a class of 1896 member, won a $5 prize for coming up with a new spirit cheer, which is now known as Old Hokie. The original spirit cheer went like this. Hokie, Hokie, Hokie High, Tex, Tex, V-P-I, Solar Rex, Solar Ra, Polytex, Virginia, Ra, Ra, V-P-I. Later, an E was added to Hokie to make H-O-K-I-E, and Team, Team, Team was attached to the end. So that's how this whole Hokie, Hokie, Hokie High came about. If you're not in the Virginia Tech family, you probably are like, what in the heck? is a hokey. Well, I just hopefully help answer the question. Now, one of the other distinctive things about Virginia Tech is the school colors. Back in 1896, a committee was formed to find the right colors for Virginia Tech. The committee selected burnt orange and Chicago maroon because no other college was using that particular color combination. Burnt orange and Chicago maroon was first worn during a football game against good old Roanoke College 
back on October 26th of 1896. Hokies at Virginia Tech were once called Gobblers, a nickname whose origin is widely disputed. One story claims it resulted from the way student athletes would gobble up their food. The name was already popular when a guy named Floyd Meade trained a large turkey to pull a cart at a football game back in 1913. Throughout the year, or throughout the decades, trained turkeys would continue to gobble on command and perform stunts. In 1962, a student raised $200 for a costume. The result was an unusual turkey with a cardinal-like head known as the gobbler and then the fighting gobbler. So, yeah, turkeys and Virginia Tech kind of, they go hand and gobble, if you will. And then in terms of the football team, the lunch pail, that started with defensive coordinator at the time under Frank Beamer, Bud Foster. Virginia Tech's lunch pail symbolizes the blue-collar approach of the Hokies football defense. And Foster's Lunch Pail Defense Foundation provides scholarships for high school students from the New River and Roanoke Valleys, as well as assisting the families of those awaiting organ transplants. So an amazing, positive thing coming out of Virginia Tech with the Lunch Pail. And then if you go to a game at Lane Stadium, you're going to see the great cannon there, Skipper. And that got its origin way back in a game against VMI in in the 1960s. And that thing goes off, Skipper, at Virginia Tech. And, of course, the Corps of Cadets, the oldest tradition at Virginia Tech, where the Corps of Cadets started back in the 1890s. And although this is not as big of a Corps of Cadets as you'll find at Texas A&M and more, but VT's cadets help keep that tradition going. And Virginia Tech actually has two different bands. they got a Corps of Cadet band, and then they got the more traditional student band also on the Blacksburg campus. And today, and of course, we also don't want to forget the tragedy that happened back in 2007 when on April 16th, 32 members of Virginia Tech were killed when a gunman came on campus and, and killed all those people some 14 years ago. And that's a sad but important part of Virginia Tech's history. And today on Y'all, we have taken time out to honor Virginia Tech as Tech, the one in Virginia, our latest stop on our 44-city tour across the Southeast, getting y'all ready for the start of the 2021 college football season. Hokey, hokey, hokey high. The Y'all Show is going to take a break, come right back. We're going to have some fun wrapping up this third hour and our final hour with a look at headlines and more. Stay with us. How about them gobblers? Down the streets, 
Some pretty mama's not breaking down with me. Stop breaking down. Yes, stop breaking down. The stuff I got to bust your brains out, baby. It'll make you lose your mind. Now I can't my mind From no good woman she starts Breaking down, start breaking down All right, wrapping up y'all here on a Wednesday And what better way to wrap it up With a couple of shark stories First from Hilton Head Island in South Carolina A shark, man we're in trouble When a shark attacks a lifeguard For goodness sakes, I could understand why I would attack some idiot out there like me That might be wearing a nice red swimsuit Or something like that, but a lifeguard at Hilton Head Bitten by a shark, the lifeguard is recovering, expected to survive after Tuesday's attack. This lifeguard was checking water conditions in the Palmetto Dunes area of Hilton Head when the bite happened. That according to the operations manager of Shore Beach Services. The lifeguard suffering deep lacerations to the chest area. Lifeguard taken by helicopter to a Savannah, Georgia hospital. We wish him all the best, him or her, I don't know the the sex of the lifeguard. It was the second reported shark attack on a human in the past week on beaches in and around Savannah, Georgia. Over at Tybee Island, on the other side of the Savannah River from Hilton Head, a well-known surfing instructor was bitten back on July 27th when leading one of his surfing classes. That surfing instructor, Atushi Yamada, known as Hot Sushi, (laughs) thankful that he wasn't injured more seriously. As Hot Sushi said, I joke with people, my nickname is Hot Sushi. I'm still Hot Sushi, just not yet cold sushi. I like the sense of humor coming there from the Savannah area. And lastly, a story from the Florida Panhandle. A 13-foot hammerhead caught off the coast of the Florida Panhandle. And this happened near Navarre Beach, not all that far from the Destin area and more. A charter fishing company reeled in this massive 13-foot hammerhead shark, the largest shark ever caught by this fishing company. And I've seen the photographic evidence of this massive shark. And let me tell you, hammerhead sharks, they need to do a little bit of work in front of the mirror sometime. They're they're rather ugly creatures, but no, I shouldn't say that. Every creature God makes is, is beautiful in its own way. But yes, a 13-foot hammerhead shark coming from the Florida Panhandle. Be careful. And this is both on the Panhandle and around Florida and certainly along that Atlantic coast. We got sharks, y'all. We love our southern beaches, but unfortunately, we got those creatures floating out there. The Jawses of the world just might come pay you a visit, so be careful. We're going to wrap up the Y'all Show right after this. Stay tuned. We're talk with a southern accent. Dun, 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 dun. We're done with the Y'all Show. Thank y'all for being a part with uh, with our show. We will be back here for a whole new conversation about everything going on across the South. So make sure you tune in on great radio stations on Thursday or on all of our podcast options. John Rawl, thank you for being a part of the fun. Have a great rest of your day.